1: Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell.
0: Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the revenue generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today we're going to talk about what business leaders need to know about the post-cookie future and how it will affect marketing and advertising and the difference between MMM and MTA attribution models. Joining us today is Brian Coe. Brian is the Chief Commercial Officer at Audience X, which is the leading integrated platform solution for performance brands and agencies offering strategic, unbiased, omni-channel access across the full breadth of the ad tech ecosystem. And today, Brian and I are gonna discuss post-cookie SMP revenue generation, okay? Here's my conversation with Brian Coe, the Chief Commercial Officer at Audience X. Brian, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, Doug, thanks so much for having me. Looking forward to the conversation.
0: It's good to have you on, even though you are a Dallas Cowboys fan. So we're gonna pretend that isn't the case, Brian. We're gonna move forward. We're gonna get over that. Here we go.
1: We'll be civil for this conversation.
0: We're gonna be civil. Thank you, thank you, Brian. Everybody should know that Brian and I are opposite ends of the NFL spectrum. I am an Eagles fan and Brian is a Cowboys fan. So. Today, we're gonna talk about the death of cookies and
1: its impact on marketers. Brian, why the change and why now? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think ultimately, it's a good thing for the consumers and whether we believe individually, it is about ultimately bringing the control and good to the individuals like us, consumers, or rather it's because of in the interest of revenue holding scheme by these already mega giants you know, Google, Apple, etc. You know, who knows? But at the end of the day, the consumers like you and I, it's a good thing for us. It will offer more privacy, more control, more power to us. And ultimately I think this will again bring better experience for consumers alike. So I think time is now better than ever, in my opinion.
0: So I'm gonna put on my advertiser's hat here and I'm gonna offer a counter argument to what you just said, Brian. And that counter argument is that cookies help Marketers and advertisers understand their audiences in a much more profound way than if they didn't have those cookies. So, let's talk maybe about the impact to marketers and advertisers when it comes to a cookie less future. What does
1: it look like and how do they counter that? Yeah, well, to a marketer who has been heavily relied on data and specifically cookie data, this is a scary world that they're about to go into, right? Let's take an e commerce company, relatively young company who really was relying on this kind of, you know, data to signal how people were buying, where people were buying, who is buying, you know, and, and, you know, what to put together, et cetera. It's a scary thing when that someday soon is going to somewhat stop. So, you know, a lot of people are panicking about how to prepare for that sort of world, as I was kind of just literally answering this, I thought about when people were panicking about Y2K. Is this the end of <laughs> the world as we know it? Or you know, is there you know, some sort of a life after this? And safe to say, you know, the life went on after Y2K. So I'm pretty sure life of marketers will continue on post-cookie deprecation.
0: Yeah, that's funny. I think Unfortunately, you've communicated your age on some level. If folks don't remember what Y2K was, this was the scary moment from 22 years ago now where most computer systems to save space actually didn't have full date ranges. And there was this huge effort to go about making sure four-digit date ranges were implemented. But you're right at that time, it was going to be the end of the world. But I would say that it's going to be super impactful. And I think we're not there yet. What started this whole thing was our friends at Google in early 2021 announcing that they were going to begin to phase out cookies in Chrome. And that's a big deal, folks, because Chrome is the dominant browser out there. And we're going to talk in a future episode, Brian, about how there's a lot of companies kind of dogpiling onto this. But before we get there, what I wanted to talk about was what's the real motivation in this case for Google to begin deprecating cookies in the Chrome browser. you are talking about the consumer benefits, but are there other benefits to Google at this point?
1: Absolutely, a few things come to mind. One is control. So Google, as big as they are, you know, they touch every aspect of technology in consumers' lives, they want more of it, right, at the end of the day. So how and when they control the information they, they already hold is going to be important for them. You heard of the words, you know, mole garden, right? So with cookies going away, this will be even more specific to Google's own data that they house and how and when they'll utilize this data for. Secondly, you know, I think it's because of heightened consumer fears of their data being utilized in the wrong way. Some of the, the recent things came about was the whole Analytica you know, the controversy, you know, obviously that's related to consumer privacy and data, how it's being utilized to perhaps manipulate. I think all of us, you know, perhaps saw, watch Netflix's social dilemma. I think it's the- Great documentary,
0: if you haven't seen it folks, worth watching.
1: Right, the documentary. So, I mean, all these create real fear. And I think for companies like Google, in some ways, fear creates an opportunity. So ultimately, I wanna be specific about this whatever Google's intentions may be ultimately to dominate even bigger share of the market or control or make more money from this. I think net net is that this is ultimately also good for the consumers. So I think there's a sort of a, what may have been motivated by something else, i.e. revenue control. This has also ended up being really good for the consumers.
0: Yeah. I think that you make a really good point. Cambridge Analytica was a big, scary thing for the social media platforms. And I think that the team over at Alphabet has seen Mark Zuckerberg pulled in to way too many congressional hearings to not take that warning flag, right, and take it seriously. So that makes a ton of sense from a privacy standpoint, but it also does really limit a key element of data and data understanding for marketers and advertisers. So what's the counter strategy? How to help people start understanding how they adjust to and what the counter strategies are for a cookie-less world?
1: Yeah, so, you know, if we kind of step back into what cookie meant to advertisers, it was, you know, pieces of you will, just in layman's term. I'm a simple man and I like things, you know, simply. So You have to be simple if
0: you're rooting for the Dallas Cowboys, <laughs> Brian, so I'll validate that.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> so based on their uh, records, I will accept that for now. <laughs> but, you know, if you take cookies as kind of these signals that tells marketers, you know, how to optimize their spend their marketing spend specifically or you know where to focus their efforts to gain their sales or their target audience etc you know they relied heavily on that but with that going away that forces marketers look kind of more macro and beyond the specific tactics that have perhaps worked in the past so everything old is new again you know perhaps you heard that uh, phrase but Now, I think more than ever, whether you are a quote-unquote performance marketer or brand advertiser, I think branding will be a vital part of the mix. It will be added to the journey, if you will, very much a considered journey. With better branding comes better performance journey, as I mentioned, and consumers will be willing to engage with certain brands or marketers. And I think that is the way product companies should think about perhaps you know, those awareness and brand experience was something that they not really paid attention to. But again, context, you know, branding, affinity, all those will play a much bigger role in traditionally performance marketers world moving forward.
0: That's really good advice. So what we're ultimately saying is we're going to lose data. It just is what it is, folks, right? And we're going to talk a bit about how Apple's piling onto this. We're going to talk a bit about how Google's piling on from its Android platform standpoint. So this is not going away. So the first piece of advice here is think about your brand profile. Think about your brand marketing and brand awareness. I got it. I'm with you. I'm a CMO. I'm on board. But I'm still needing my binky, Brian, and my binky is data. Are there some other counter strategies you can recommend as we go into a post-cookie-less world?
1: Absolutely. So first-party data. So if you think of cookies as kind of the non-third-party data, right? It's a data or piece of data that you don't control. It was something that Chrome or other sort of party controlled, right? But as a marketer, you have what's called a first-party data. And that is your own list of customers who opted in or who perhaps have purchased items from you and who have interacted with your brand products. You have that at your disposal. So now is to think about who that is. Start. You know, while we still have cookies before they forever go away, you know, test to see whether there's a look like that you can replicate, how to grow that, and how do you really build your first party data that you house and hold forever, by the way, right? That you control. How do you, again, replicate that? Where does that come from? You know, a lot of advertisers have started really utilizing CDP to house and utilize their data in their marketing practice. So I think now is the time to think about, you know, just that utilizing and deploying your first-party data in actionable campaign manners.
0: Yeah, so as the third-party data fades, and we talked about brand awareness and building that brand impression, but really, this idea of matching or countering that loss of third-party data comes down to the fact that you have very valuable data as it currently stands. That's your first-party data. So, for the digital marketers out there, you understand what's happening. But really, there's a treasure trove of information in those email databases about people that are interested, in it, have shown intent, ultimately. So, not all is lost. You have that data source. We can go out and create lookalike audiences. We can segment those audiences. We can use digital marketing to create behavioral patterns based on how people react to the data. So it's really incumbent upon marketers to understand they still have a gold mine of first party data. What other advice do you have for folks in terms of how they counter brand It's a great idea, first party data, anything else people can be thinking about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And perhaps, you know, this is also relevant experience example. A lot of e-com or performance marketers relied heavily on kind of social channels as kind of that last touch and even search as that last touch. It produced what they saw as most, you know, sales, actions out of these, you know, channels. Now, full journey, full channel journey and mix, omni-channel is what we like to call it, is really, again, I think should be part of your consideration I think narrowed single or two channel mixes in the past that have worked may no longer work and it really should be about full channel focus, omni-channel focus specifically.
0: And what are some of the channels there that you think are underserved currently? You talked about brand. I hear email marketing brought up quite a bit as another frontier for folks. Are there other aspects of the marketing mix that you recommend people looking at?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, so if you look at our individual conversion journey, you know, Doug's consumption of media and purchasing something online or offline for that matter may be very different than, you know, Brian's or anyone else, you know, for that matter. So Omnichannel is really utilizing full channel mix, right? And I know we're going to uh, likely touch on this, you know, a bit, bit later, but it's about the right channel mix. Perhaps, you know, there's a bit of a TV or even CTV, There is, you know, perhaps digital and within digital, there's display, there's video, there's YouTube, there's, of course, social channels. And I think all this journey consists of our ultimately journey to consumption or conversion, right? And then there's ultimately our action to choosing to purchase something online or versus driving to a store and purchasing it offline. So again. All this is experiential and all this is part of the mix. Now the marketers fortunately, unfortunately have to think about. And so, you know, the world, we know it, post-cookie deprecation has become a lot more complicated, perhaps. But in some ways, a lot more easier because, you know, we're not having to pull our hair out. And, and I'm, I'm laughing but because this is podcast and most of you can't see. Um...
0: Brian is short on hair, folks. That's why he's laughing.
1: Exactly. Thank you for pointing that out, by the way. You're welcome. <laughs> but, you know, marketers will have to pull their hair out to understand. But now, you know, it's, it's everything old, again, is, you know, new and vice versa. And so, you know, perhaps just to think about very widely and macro level. And, you know, this could be a fun thing for, again, marketers and consumers.
0: It's a lot to take in. But I would say, I think I was really hoping, Brian, you would be like, it's all not true. The cookies are not going away. It's April Fool's, but folks, this is inevitable. So making those adjustments, it's a part of our roadmap. And we need to think about it. Brian, I really appreciate the conversation. I'd love to have you back on the podcast. and We're going to wrap things up here. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator podcast. Thanks to Brian Coe, Chief Commercial Officer at Audience X, for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Brian and I are going to discuss what Apple's privacy policy tells us about the cookie future. If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Brian, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes or visit his company website at audiencex.com. Just one more link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to therevgenpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live on the show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can contact me directly. My handle is MarketAdvocate. If you have not subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed... We're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed on the next business day. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.